3: Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
5: This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre.
6: What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Friday. July 29th. It is the final weekday in the month of July. You know what August means? Vacations and football. That's what it means. And also fantasy football drafts as well. And the beginning of school. I don't know if any other parents are out there, but uh, who's ready for their kids to go back to school, huh? Kids staying up way too late, having too much fun. They need to get back in the classroom. Obviously, my kids do not want to hear that. They are having a lot of fun. And I will start... Today's podcast with big news, besides our guest, who's Warren Sharp, obviously one of the better guys who talks gambling out there. We had him on last year to promote his NFL preview, which is over 500 pages. Last week, Football Outsiders. This week, Warren Sharp. We're giving you all the places where I get my information that I use to gamble and hopefully win a lot of money this season. Last season was good. Two seasons ago, was really good. COVID year, maybe it was weird. Um, but I hope you can glean a, we, a lot of gambling centric stuff for the upcoming season with Warren Sharp. I hope you can glean some nuggets and, um, obviously we'll do the full on preview later in the month of August, but, um, you know, as preseason wears on and injuries happen and all that, but to start today's podcast, I was all primed to talk about Zion and the, and the fat clause in his contract, you know, I really love that story. And then the Kyler Murray news happens, and you're like, oh, my gosh. They really are afraid of Kyler Murray. The Arizona Cardinals made a smart move, and we talked about it earlier in the week. They added an independent study, a.k.a. the homework clause in his contract, where he had to spend four hours a week on his tablet watching film, breaking down plays, watching the opponent, et cetera, whatever the coaches send him. Word on the street is he spent no time last season on his iPad. He would leave the facility with it, never turn it on, never open none, none of that. Once he left the facility, it was Kyler Murray time, whether it's the girl, the jump off, the video games, whatever he does, it was Kyler Murray time. That's not ideal. You know, you're making a big money. You want to be successful in the NFL. You got to work. I don't know anybody in 2022 who just does their work at the office and comes home and is not working. In addition to that, you've always got to be. I mean, you're pretty much always on the clock with your phone in your pocket, and and you you obviously have to draw some lines. But if you're an NFL quarterback, I mean, the stories out there are legendary about Tom Brady just living at the facility. I'm sure you guys heard the Zach Wilson story recently that he called Aaron Rodgers, apparently their friend somehow. And Zach Wilson had called Aaron Rodgers, and he was talking, hey, you know, Zach, I'm sorry, you know, Aaron, I'm here at the facility. And I'm looking at this tape, and I keep seeing, and Aaron Rodgers like cuts him off and is like, dude, it's Friday night. What are you doing in the facility? Go and enjoy your life. You can't be a slave to work. And like Aaron Rodgers is keen on that life-work balance. But Zach Wilson clearly wants to be that guy, which you kind of love if you're a Jets fan. I'm not making the story up. It was out there. Rappaport had it last week. Um, and that's just not what Kyler Murray is. You, the stories out there are, are not great about Kyler Murray. Last guy to arrive, first guy to leave, not really a team dude, not really like an alpha. You know, the great story that uh, people always talked about is at the combine, you can kind of see who the alpha quarterback is because all the quarterbacks hang out and who's like the leader. He usually doesn't say a lot because he doesn't have to and he just is a big guy, pretty cool, um, just knows how to get along with everybody, knows how to navigate relationships, knows how to read a room. And that guy is your alpha. And that's the quarterback that you want leading the locker room. Kyler Murray, as we talked about, is just a great talent who really has never had to step up and lead because he just would beat everyone because he was just so good in high school and in college. When well, you get to the NFL, and good luck beating Aaron Donald. And you got to face the 49ers front twice a season. And... You know, Kyler Murray did make the playoffs. They, you know, he got dump trucked by the Rams who eventually won the Super Bowl. But this is just not what you want to hear that now the Arizona Cardinals are backtracking and they have removed the homework aspect of his contract. And they are blaming the backlash. According to a statement the Cardinals put out Thursday, uh, Rappaport had the story, after seeing the distraction it created, we removed the addendum from the contract. It was clearly perceived in ways that were never intended. Our confidence in Kyler Murray is as high as it's ever been. And nothing demonstrates our belief in his ability to lead the team more than the commitment reflected in this contract. That is absolutely bonkers that they would backtrack and they're like afraid of Kyler Murray and the backlash. You know what doing this does? It ramps up the backlash and keeps the story in the headlines. You guys know how this works, right? In the media, Everything is a massive brush fire. Oh my gosh, DEFCON 2, Kyler Murray has a homework clause, and you know what? It's a big story for a day, and maybe two, and it's the dog days of July. Well, guess what's going to happen on day three? I don't know. The Zion fat clause in his contract comes out. Maybe there'll be more NBA trade rumors about Kevin Durant. Draymond Green will probably react to something. Maybe Deshaun Watson's case will be settled. Maybe Lamar Jackson will have some movement on his contract. Something else always happens to kick you out of the headlines. The Cardinals are so afraid of merely two days of negative press, and it wasn't negative toward the Cardinals or Murray. It was negative toward both of them, right? You give a guy $130 million and then tell him, oh, by the way, you've got to study four hours a week? It feels a little ass-backwards if you ask me, but it's just, all around, just a horrendous job. Now, every time Kyler Murray takes the field, has he done the homework? When Kyler Murray shows up and has an awful game, and if he gets benched, it's going to look terrible and reflect so poorly because that's all anybody's going to talk about. Well, he would have to do the homework, but who cares? He got the $130 million. And it's just one of those deals. Arizona could not have bungled this worse. I mean, I know that the press conference on Wednesday was kind of bad, and uh, Murray, uh, after training camp on Thursday, spoke for a while and, and said he wanted to explain himself and thought it was disrespectful that they were criticizing his work ethic, work ethic and saying it's almost a joke, and he watches film by himself. That's a given. Listen, the Cardinals issued him an iPad. I can tell you every video my kids have watched. My, my daughter's obsessed with Stranger Things and watching all these videos. My son... Uh, you know, he plays games on his iPad. I know what they're doing. The team knows what Kyler Murray's doing. And the answer is nothing because he's not watching any of the stuff they gave him. He's not opening it. They know. So for him to sit there and defend it is just, this is just an all around embarrassment. And I'm telling you right now, there is, I thought the biggest pressure on anybody this year was going to be Lamar Jackson because he doesn't have a deal. And I thought number two might be Deshaun Watson whenever the suspension ends. I think Kyler Murray may be number one after this absolute fiasco of a contract situation. All right, without further ado, let's get to our guest, NFL analyst, Warren Sharp.
5: You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports.
6: I know what sports fans want.
5: But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say I know a guy who knows a
1: guy who knows another guy.
6: All right, let's welcome into Straight Fire, a guy you know very well, big-time sports gambler, NFL, one of the leading NFL voices, just from a breakdown perspective. He's got an incredible 2022 football preview that's must-read. Uh, you could download the PDF. Warren Sharp. Warren, how are you, man?
4: I am doing great. Football is back right now. Uh, we got the training camps opening up. The first preseason game is just a week away, so it's, it's a great time to be a fan of the NFL.
6: Yeah, I gotta say, I'm not on TikTok, but my wife is. And when random stuff goes through TikTok, she'll just send it over to me. And she sent me one of your videos. She's like, "You should do something like this." It's you wearing like a Hawaiian shirt, talking about <laughs> NFL with like shades and your mustache. And I was like, "This guy, Warren, you're pretty savvy. You're on TikTok, huh?"
4: Yeah. Well, my guy said I needed to be on there. I don't know anything about it either. So <laughs> I just record the video. I send it to like this kid. He Put some music in the background or something, throw some words on it, puts it on TikTok, sends me a copy of it. And I can post that on Twitter uh, so that everybody on Twitter can see, because yeah. that's really my, my, my primary destination. But yeah, after I finish writing this book, I always go on vacation and just try to decompress a little bit. And then I come back and do a lot of media hits promoting the book, talking about the season. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was like, Why don't I just record some of these things while I'm on vacation? And uh, it was a blast. I really enjoyed doing it. I might might continue even though I'm back home now.
6: Yeah, once you get to a certain level, Warren, it's tough to be like, all right, I got to post this on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and now TikTok. And oh, by the way, you got to do radio and you got to do TV and podcast. Like, at what point are you breaking down film, Warren? I mean, it, it just gets exhausting, right?
4: Exactly, exactly. So that's why I let them run the other accounts. I think they might have an Instagram or a TikTok. Uh, They definitely have a TikTok. I don't know about the Instagram. I think they're working on that. Uh, I'm just Twitter. And see, what I do, Jason, is I I try to overwork, like I try to outwork everybody during the early part of the year so that when, when my book comes out, I have researched every angle of every single team. I understand why they didn't fulfill their dreams last year because only one team does and 31 don't so why did these 31 teams not get to where they wanted to be what changed this offseason coaches players uh, strategies philosophies And then what do I think they're going to do this year? And I'm trying to uncover things that not as many other people out there are aware of for each of these teams because that's how you find value in the NFL when you're trying to bet on it or play fantasy football. And I write that down, I share it in the book, and then I can kind of dial it back. So this really, over the next month, is the most relaxed I'd get. um, Other than maybe February after the Super Bowl, I really decompress. But this next month is all about chatting it up, enjoying um, the last little bit of summer, watching a lot of football, watching the training camps, reading a lot about what the coaches are saying and all the beat reporters are writing about. But it's a much different level of stress and pressure uh, than it is when I'm writing this book and doing all the research. And then, of course, once the season starts and I really like get buried in my little laboratory down here.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats,
5: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
6: So last February, um, the Rams trade for Matt Stafford. I wrote a piece for Fox Sports saying, I like the Rams to get to the Super Bowl and win it. I'm going to bet them at plus 1,300. And it was probably my best hit of the NFL season. Of course, I'm yeah. trying to look, Warren, and see if there's a team this summer that leveled up enough that they will put themselves in position. I don't really want to take anyone from the AFC because it's loaded, and I know everybody likes the Bills. I, I just have this weird feeling that the Chargers are just so stacked. Um, do, you, do you like the Chargers as a shot to not only get to the playoffs, but get to the Super Bowl?
4: I think the Chargers front office has done an impeccable job of – plugging the holes like you're in a ship and there's a few holes and you need to fill them and and they've been so fortunate they've done the right strategy with a quarterback on a rookie deal like justin herbert is Mm -hmm. of we need help along the d line we need extra db let's get two extra dbs let's get a slot guy in here bryce callahan let's get jc jackson in here let's get a couple guys to help our run defense that was worse than the nfl let's get another offensive lineman like they are plugging all these holes for their problem areas and they have in my opinion, the most, if not top three, most talented roster from front to back, offense to defense in the NFL. They also have one of the most elite quarterbacks in the NFL who is on a rookie deal. Mm -hmm. And that is all the advantage that you really need to really give yourself such a massive head start. The only two things that could derail this team from making the AFC Championship game, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, Injuries, which this team is just snake bit. I don't know what's going on with them, but if they can figure out how to not get injured this camp and during the early part of the season, that is going to go a long way for their success. And number two is just coaching. And mm. I don't mean with their head coach, because I know he's super aggressive and I know he sometimes uses analytics and sometimes he uses gut. That's all fine. I'm not talking about that. I don't care about the fourth down decisions. I know that they're going to go for it more than most teams, and that's a good thing in my opinion, but not what I'm discussing. What I'm discussing is their offense coordinator, Joe Lombardi. Joe Lombardi was absolutely terrible when he went to coach the Detroit Lions. Do you know that he had Matthew Stafford out of 44 quarterbacks that year have the lowest depth of target on early down passes with the Detroit Lions in 2015 before. The whole coaching staff was fired 44 out of 44 quarterbacks. This is Matthew Stafford and his big arm. Then he goes back to rejoin the saints is on the saints coaching staff. And he's working with drew Brees right before he leaves drew Brees is 41 years old has one of the lowest target depths of any player in the NFL. Cause he has no arm strength. He's yeah. got no arm at that point. Now he goes to the chargers and last season out of 42 qualifying quarterbacks Justin Herbert ranked number 36 in early down target of depth. There's no reason why a stud like Justin Herbert should be throwing and dinking and dunking the football on these early downs like he was doing last season. And my concern is that this isn't something that Joe Lombardi is going to realize, oh, I need to fix this because that's what he's done. He did it with Stafford. He did it with Drew Brees. Like that's my concern. Justin Herbert is a special talent. He is a freak talent. You need an offense coordinator who wants to roll them out into the center ring of a freak show and say, come see the main attraction here. This is the freak quarterback. He's going to fling the ball everywhere on the football field. Um, So I hope that they increase his depth of target this season. If they do that, I agree with you. I mean, this is a team that could get out of a very difficult AFC West, Mm -hmm. gets into the dance of the postseason, and, I mean, I don't know about their home field advantage necessarily, but this is a team that I think could absolutely go all the way. Yeah.
6: So I'm just looking up Lombardi. I didn't realize this. Grandson of Vince Lombardi, huh? 51 years old. It stinks because a lot of the best young quarterbacks have smart, young offensive minds coaching them at OC. And here the Chargers have a 51-year-old. That's that's not good that they could be derailed by that. By the way, uh, side note, I saw that Storm Thornton, uh, the right tackle, it doesn't even look like he's starting anymore. He was that bad in week 18, huh? Storm yeah. uh, Storm, Norton, Storm Norton, sorry.
4: Yeah, Storm Norton. Yeah, the, the only weak link of this entire offensive line is that right tackle spot. And so um, they're, they're really solidified elsewhere on the line. Obviously drafted a guy this year. So this is a, a very good above average O-line. I forget what we actually ranked them here in the preview book. Uh, let me scroll to that page and tell you, uh, hold on. We rank them as the number six best offensive yeah. line in the NFL, and that really is their only weak link. Is still at the right tackle spot, but I mean, if the, if that's if that's the uh, only weak link that you got, mm. you're in a pretty in pretty good shape. You just have to make sure that you're aware of it and and help out or get rid of the ball before the pressure arrives.
6: All right, so uh, let's go to the Buffalo Bills, the universal favorites, I think everywhere. Allen for the MVP, the Bills to win the Super Bowl. I just wonder on a level of zero to ten with 10 being, like, massive concern, DEFCON 1, sound the alarm. Uh, what is your concern level of losing Dayball? I know they bring in Dorsey, who's already there and has been there for a while. But losing Dayball, like, man, he was he was lights out. Is there going to be a problem with Josh Allen in the offense this year?
4: I would put it at a 5, okay? okay. Which, which might be higher than some people have, and it. it might be lower than other people. Um, but Dayball was special, no doubt about it. I think Ken Dorsey can be decent to close to day ball. Obviously there's a couple of things that you have to realize, like when you're calling the plays, um, it's one thing to design an offense. It's another thing to design a game plan. And it's another thing to know what to call when you need to in the middle of a game or what adjustment that you have to make. And so we'll see where Dorsey is on that last aspect of it, but from like designing the offense and designing the game plans, um, he was with this team. He knows what Josh Allen likes. He saw what Brian Dayball did. So I don't really think he would struggle in those areas. It would surprise me. Here is the one thing though, Jason, that nobody else is really talking about that. I think, is important and could factor into this team last year there were two games where the head coach sean mcdermott came out publicly in his post-game presser and really was upset with brian dayball publicly hmm. it was after the loss to the indianapolis colts and after the loss in that win game to the new england patriots and he was talking about how our o-line's not physical enough how we can't generate enough on the ground with the running game how he was frustrated about that and If that's coming out after the game publicly, like talking negatively about who's calling your plays, I can only imagine what was going on behind the scenes there for a longer period Mm. of that season. And this team was one of the worst in the NFL running the football on first down. And so Brian Dayball was doing it a little bit more in 2021 than he did in 2020 because McDermott wanted him to, but still he reached a point where he's like, these plays aren't successful. We need to throw the ball more. And that's kind of where this issue arose. Hmm. Now we've got Dorsey in there and my, my, my lone concern, again, it's it's somewhat minor, but my lone concern here, you're going to pick nits on one of the best teams in the league is that he doesn't have Dorsey does not have the, you know, the, the, the tenure. He doesn't have the experience level to argue with the head coach. He's going to more so do what the coach tells him to do. So if Sean McDermott comes out and says, I want to run the running backs a little bit more. Dorsey may not be able to stand up and fight against them and may acquiesce to that. Now they did improve their O-line a little bit and they brought in a new O-line coach and they drafted a running back. So maybe they are able to run the ball a little bit more efficiently. That being said, there is no way that a slightly more efficient run game is better than Josh Allen throwing the football to these receivers. And so I still think that that moves the offense back a tiny bit. And then Sean McDermott also came out this offseason and said that he does not want Josh Allen to run the football nearly as much. Obviously, they gave Josh Allen a ton of money last year, and so they want to try to protect Josh Allen more. Well, the biggest skeleton key to unlock anything, the best play in the NFL is when your quarterback drops back for a pass and then scrambles with the football because he sees an open run lane. This is where Josh Allen is averaging 10 yards per carry when there's an open run lane and he takes it. So if they're now getting him to hang in the pocket more and throw the football uh, and not take these opportunities to run the ball and there's less designed runs for him, you know, I don't see how that helps the offense either. So there's a couple of minor things with the new coordinator being there and some of the influence that Sean McDermott might now have over that offense that Brian Dayball was able to kind of, push down and and quiet. Uh, but that's my real only concern with Ken Dorsey.
6: Yeah, I like the infighting aspect. Uh, let's go to a team, a bet on team that I think I'm going to be on a lot this year, at least early, is the Minnesota Vikings. And it basically all has to do with the coaching uh, change. Zimmer, it, it was just a quarterback killer. Like he just did not want to throw the ball last year. In comes O'Connell. And maybe I'm reading too much into, you know, the Bengals with Taylor being a McVay guy and O'Connell being a McVay guy. I just see this offense putting up big, big points. I really like it healthy. What do you think Vikings sleeper to win the division and I don't know, get to the super bowl.
4: I definitely agree. Well, so if you're going to take long shots, those, I think the NFC is where you take those Mm -hmm. long shots. Uh, And and I do like the Vikings as one of those teams for that. Um, I like them over their win total. I've already bet that Uh, bet them to make the playoffs as well. Um, I think that they have it. This is one of their best years and best shots to derail the Packers the Packers may take a step back, but still, this is a very well-coached team and has won 13 games, the only team in NFL history with a first-year head coach who goes and wins 13 games for three straight years, his first three years coaching the team. So it's going to be difficult for Minnesota to like derail the Packers for the division, but I think that a playoffs is definitely in their future. Completely agree with your logic and your reasoning on that. This new coaching staff, forget the fighting between Zimmer and Zimmer – actually saying that he does not like Kirk Cousins, <laughs> like which is a problem to begin with. If you, you give your quarterback all his money, and now you actually don't like him. Uh, that's a problem. But beyond that, it's the play calling. It's the strategy. Uh, we're going to see a lot more passing the football on early downs. I just posted a nugget on Twitter the other day that Kirk Cousins was the number three most efficient passer when trailing games in the second half. <laughs> um, but they never wanted to start the games passing the football. They always wanted to run and play defense. Mike Zimmer being the defensive minded guy, he wanted, he believed, this is ridiculous, This, the data has shown that this is a bad argument, but he believed that running the football and slowing the game down is a way to keep his defense fresher and healthier and made them look better. And so he wanted his defense to look good. And so that's why he was trying to, th- find ways to keep his defense off the field the the way to make your defense look good is to have your offense get a lead score a lot of points so that in the second half all you guys are doing is playing up 11 up 13 and pinning your ears back and recording sacks and throwing you know getting interceptions off of desperate quarterbacks when you know that that offense has to throw the football into your defense and so that's the way to make your defense look great that's why the patriots defense often looks really good is because you know they're up in games and the opposing team in the second half is so desperate with mediocre to bad quarterback play that they're chucking the ball into the patriots defense and they're recording all these takeaways same thing with the dallas cowboys getting a lot of interceptions last year so you know, I don't know if I love the Vikings' defense. Yeah. I think that that's their only weak link. But I think his offense is more than talented enough, and their philosophy is going to be much better and much more effective at them winning games.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage,
5: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
6: From a team I'm going to be betting on to a team I think I'll be looking to fade. Uh, There are two of them, and they're popular. The uh, Cowboys... Obviously, a ton of new starters. First two games out of the gate are tough. I don't like the receivers after CD Lamb, and then the Patriots, who I think I think that McDaniel's loss is huge. And the schedule out of the gate, three of their first four on the road. I think Mac Jones overachieved. Any agreement on the Cowboys or Patriots as fade teams?
4: Cowboys definitely. Um, the Cowboys generated thirty. Uh, they were plus thirty four, and ter- I think they had thirty four takeaways last season. Yeah, which led the NFL. They haven't done that in 34 years. Um, the, Dow- the EPA that Dallas generated on these takeaways was the most in the NFL in over a decade. This was a team that was thriving off of all of these takeaways. And it's very unlikely that that's going to be carried over from year to year. And for that reason, I think that their upside with all these takeaways regresses some and their overall team like they still want to be built around Ezekiel Elliott they lost a bunch of uh, strength at the wide receiver position Jerry Jones like who cares about Amari Cooper C.D. Lamb's the guy well C.D. Lamb is great but the defense has played you a little bit differently last season now you don't have Michael Gallup and you know I know they just signed a a a speedy guy uh, from one of those expansion leagues but I just worry about this offense a little bit their coaching and the defense's ability to get these takeaways so I, I do think they're going to be good this year. They're going to have a high floor, but I'm worried about them meeting their ceiling. I like them under their win total. Uh, and then with the New England Patriots, uh, the crazy statistic about the Patriots is that on of their drives, if they don't take a sack on, they score points, which is by far the number one best in the NFL last year. Mac Jones, if he was protected well enough and this team wasn't taking sacks, they were scoring points at a really good clip last year. The problem was when they took sacks, they were down at like 24% scoring rate, even with one sack on a drive. And they just lost two starting guards uh, this offseason. They they lost one in free agency, one they traded down to Tampa Bay. And you ask, well, why do they lose these guards if they're trying to like build a winner? Because they signed a bunch of people last season free right. agency, and every single one of these guys—John Smith, Hunter Henry, um, uh, the wide receiver there—every single one, their cap hit now is over double what it was last year, and so they didn't have enough cap space to keep some of their offensive linemen. So I do have concern there. And the other thing that I think will regress for the Patriots a little bit is their defense, primarily because. On yards to go on average for opposing offenses last year, they were right in league average range but the Patriots still ranked fifth best on third downs. And that those numbers are typically very closely correlated. And thus, if the defense is slightly weaker without JC Jackson, and I don't think it's stronger this season against some better quarterbacks that they're likely to face, I think opposing offenses are going to have a better time on early downs and then a better time on third downs uh, than the Patriots were dealing with last year.
6: So it sounds like you're not that keen on the Patriots at this point.
4: I haven't faded him yet. Okay. And I do like Mac Jones more than I think the market likes. I think think Mac Jones does have the ability to raise the level of this offense. And I think some of his statistics last year were because they were putting him in in difficult situations. But here's where I don't know how much that improves this year, Jason. And that's because you need some – Josh McDaniels wasn't great – last season in my opinion he didn't know how the hell to use uh, Johnny Smith uh, there were some other issues that with this offense I think they ran the ball a little bit too much they put mac Jones into difficult situations on third down but I just don't know that they're in a better spot this year from a play calling perspective than they were last season I mean you I looked and wrote a lot about this in the Patriots chapter there were certain things that if you tweaked with the offense like there were glaring splits between you know, shotgun versus under center or early down passing versus third down passing or passing under pressure versus not. And if you tweaked a few things with the offense to optimize it and were on top of these things during the year, you would have noticed this and you could have improved the offense by making these changes. I'm worried that like Joe Judge is not going to be able to notice and identify these things. And Matt Patricia isn't going to be able to call the right plays to execute this offense as well as even Josh McDaniels was doing. So that's my main concern about this offense is the is the play calling itself. But I think Mac Jones um is a little bit better than people think.
6: Huh. All right. Um looking quickly at week one, and I, I got a fun question after that. But looking at week one, it's a little granular, but I just don't understand how the Washington commanders are four point favorites over Jacksonville. And I know week one is still six weeks away, but Warren, when some of these lines come out, like how is Carson Wentz favored by four over anybody? It, or is the market that down on Jacksonville? I think I love Jacksonville last year. I obviously misread the urban Meyer stuff, but there's a lot of talent. They spent a lot of money. Um, teams that spend money in free agency the last like five years have actually done kind of well. Um, I I think Jacksonville has got to be a bet there. I'm going to be looking at Trevor Lawrence this year uh, to bet on maybe.
4: I definitely agree with you. Um, I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to surprise a lot of people this year. He's actually not very bad on first downs at all. The problem was the team wasn't throwing enough on first down. Doug Peterson comes from Kansas City and then Philadelphia, Kansas City, one of the most pass heavy teams in the NFL, Philadelphia, two out of his last three years, they were one of the top 10 teams in early down pass rate. I think that this team does shift a little bit more and play to Trevor Lawrence's strengths more offensively. Um, They also have a big shift. Jason last year, they played the third most difficult schedule of opposing defenses and Trevor went up up against the seventh most difficult schedule of opposing past defenses this year they play the number two easiest schedule of defenses overall and of past defenses I think Doug Peterson there's no bigger shift I I, I don't think that the Jags are gonna win more games than some of the other teams that got first-year head coaches like the Vikings but I think the difference between the prior coach and the current coach is most stark in Jacksonville mm-hmm. and I don't disagree with you at all that taking the four points there week one is a smart move.
6: Um, so real quick, just for the listeners who aren't sure, when you say the the second easiest schedule this year against opposing defenses, what analytic are you using to rate the defense? Is it DVOA? Is it, uh, I mean, there's a ton of defensive stats. Yeah. Wh- which one do you prefer, just so the audience can know to look at it as well? For,
4: for, for strength of schedule stuff, I like to lean into DVOA. Okay. Yeah.
6: I know other people kind of look at win totals, but that doesn't break down well, offensive so defense.
4: if we're correct, so I started looking at win totals to look at strength of schedule like six years ago when everybody was looking at strength of schedule for the upcoming year based on the prior year prior percentage year. of those teams, which is total garbage. Yeah. So then I started pioneering a little bit. Look at the win totals for this year; it's more predictive. But when you're talking about offense, defense, or pass offensive, pass defense, you know you can take a good place to start is take last year's final results, understand that past defense is going to be more uh, past defense is going to carry over a little bit better than run defense and then tweak them a little bit based upon how, you know, the team changed in the off season. Um, All right. So I, obviously you got written about
6: in the New Yorker. Congratulations. That was awesome. But I do want to ask like gambling is so popular now, Warren, that there are some local guys and, They'll just ban you if you're winning. They, they just will not take your bets. And I do know some friends, you know, I, I have some groups and, you know, we can't get down as much as we used to because if you have some success, you know, your local guy's just going to stop taking your bets. What do you recommend? As I know you talk to a lot of guys, you're working with a lot of people. What do you recommend? Like, do you recommend like, Hey, if you got to go out of state, uh, like give, give the people some advice for getting down more money when they find the biggest edges.
4: Well, that's, that's a great question right there. Um, here's the thing. I, I see a lot of people on Twitter that uh, try to hit for like a, a tennis match or a WNBA game or some other thing that like is clearly mispriced on a prop and they start smashing it for the limit. And that's a great way to get a book completely pissed off at you and then want to limit you very quickly in the future. And what I have found in others that I work with is like some of those tiny things that, okay, sure. You'll win like, you know, a couple hundred bucks on or something like that. Big picture, long range is not worth it. You want your account to be able to get down thousands of dollars, you know, with ease in the NFL because we dominate the in the nfl you don't care about like a couple hundred bucks here or there in some of these other things now if you don't care about your account then that's a little bit different but if (laughs) also of course it's it's about networks it's about people that you know it's about working together um, so that you can have the biggest opportunities to get down enough volume on um you know the things that have the most edge but it big limits right so that's what we tend to focus on on um, there is definitely like groups and people that you're working with to try to help navigate those waters a little bit um but the the key is you know the the other fun thing is if you have people that are pretty bad and they lose money and then you can kind of weave in some of your action through their accounts like that's another another good way because they have big limits and they're not on the sportsbooks radar um that's another good way to uh, oh
6: gee that that is diabolical i kind of love that but but after the new yorker piece came out do you have more people reaching out to you high level gamblers uh i'm talking some of these whales out there in vegas Uh, do you have more people reaching out saying hey warren
4: how do we work together not really because the football season, like everybody's so focused on the football season. Really, that's the big season and we, ha- we aren't there yet. Um, so like the football season, th- the difference between me and a lot of other bettors out there or uh, handicappers out there who sell stuff is that I focus on football only. So like I'm giving up income that I could be making, uh you know, six other months out of the season. And during those six months, I'm working on writing this book. I'm getting edges on researching the teams so that I know what to expect for this upcoming season so that we're going to have a great time betting futures and make a bunch of money on that, you know, and, feel like we're in really really good position and then we're going to be in great shape the first month of the football season at which point there's a lot of adjustments and adaptations that you have to make based upon certain things but we're going to be entering it more intelligently than this than the sports books are which have been working on so many other sports as well so yeah. um that that's my main focus and it, it's it's like in August that some of these guys start to get involved and in, in really serious about okay I've I've staffed up, I've built up some of my accounts now with money. Like, let's start thinking about the NFL. Let's do that's a little bit late. All right, we'll close out with this one.
6: MVP is always a tough one. I hate tying up money for like five or six months, but I just I'm totally buying into the Russell Wilson hype in Denver. I know it's the AFC, it's the toughest division, probably dumb. I, I can't get behind the Josh Allen, the number's too low. But Josh Allen's probably gonna win the MVP, right? Or what do you or do you like Russell Wilson at twelve hundred?
4: see i actually don't focus a lot on the mvp market itself i i typically don't find that there's a lot of edges in yeah. those in the favorites right like th- there's a handful of guys and a few things go different one for for the other and all of a sudden you know it, it it shifts to somebody else where i've focused more so is on some of the longer shot mvp opportunities in the marketplace and trying to paint like narratives in my mind as to okay I kind of like the 49ers or I kind of like the Jaguars. If the Jaguars were going to be a good team, what would have to go right for them? X, Y, and Z. And there are opportunities to bet on those things together for very small amounts of money that have longer odds to win. And then if you if you happen to be right about the Jags or you happen to be right about the 49ers or one of these other teams, you've got a lot of different ways that you've invested in some long shots for those teams. And even if you're wrong on all three or four that you're t- that you've decided to take there, you're not really out that much because you put so little down to win so much that it's not that big of a loss overall for you. That's the way that uh, on some of those like the MVP type odds that I look at uh, on some of those long shots. Got
6: it, uh, Warren? Are you doing any of the contest the season long, uh, circa or super contest? Are you doing any of
4: those or no? I did uh, years ago. I was doing the super contest. And I've since stopped doing the contest. Uh, there, The ones that I would get involved in would be like the, the Circa that has the opportunity where they're guaranteeing, and so there's an overlay, right? Like that's the ones that you almost have to enter if there's enough of an overlay because it's so plus EV to do it. But some of these other ones, um, the bottom line is they're so popular now and there's so yeah. many people doing it that if there's not enough of an overlay, I mean, All you got to do, you could be a really plus EV better, right? Like you could be a 57, 58, 60% better overall. You're not even going to come close to winning it. You have to have one of those like super lucky seasons where everything's just bouncing your way for you to win that. And if there's not a great overlay, then it's, you know, then it's not worth the time and effort and and money to get it. I totally opinion. agree.
6: But I'm entering again this year. I think the, the payout is 5 million, 5.3 million for one of them, um, which isn't bad. But again, like you said, somebody gets hot, hits 79%. And then, you know, what does this guy do for a job? He like is a dog walker or something, you know? Just doesn't really know about the NFL. At any rate, Warren Sharp, great preview. Uh, as always, love your stuff. And uh, I'm sure you got a lot of s- continued success in your uh, NFL future, Warren.
4: Hey, thanks, Jason. Love talking to you. Talk again soon.